please share a love note to your future self. Honor your courage, dear future Amber. The evolution of life and the aging process is something that can be looked at with beauty and grace. Don't forget it. A love note to your future self. Future self.、Um, enjoy everything that you see. Love note to future self. I would say to not be so hard on yourself because nobody gets it right all the time. What's your definition of love? Being happy with yourself, I think, is more self-love now. Share the love, share the experience, share the questions, share the worries, the concerns, and you'll be surprised at what will come back for you. Welcome to the first episode of 2019. This is Sasha Shell, and you're listening to Dear Seekers. Today is Valentine's Day. There are a lot of messages out there telling us who we should love, how we should love. Honestly, though, I do not want to buy in this extremely commercialized holiday. Every day should be a Valentine's Day, in my opinion. But if it brings you joy, peace, and love, I'm all for it. Whether you are spending time with your family, friends, partner, or even yourself, I hope you are having a quality one. If you're new to Dear Seekers, welcome. This means you have 23 other episodes to listen to from last year. If you have been a Dear Seekers listener, hello again, and thank you for coming back. Before we get into today's conversation, I'm sharing a few changes for this year. First of all, Dear Seekers will no longer be a bi-weekly podcast. With more demand for my new job and our 13-week-old puppy Butter, yeah, his name is Butter, and he needs lots of time and love. So to maintain the quality of each episode, we will be releasing only one episode a month. But don't worry, if you need an extra dose of Dear Seekers, you can sign up to our newsletter. We are launching a monthly newsletter. Called the Seeker Supply, that contains exclusive rapid-fire chat with the women we featured that month, local gems recommended by that seeker, and the things I've personally discovered that I think you may be interested in checking out. And lastly, I also hope to interview some of our dear seekers listeners and share your story with others. So sign up to our newsletter to join the community. I'm kind of just like having to learn who who I am. Like, what am I all about? Because I was doing things based on circumstances. That was Julie Doused Baker, co-owner and creative mind behind Milk, one of Toronto's most beloved design shops and gallery spaces located in the Junction. Their beautifully designed home has been featured in Kingfolk Home Book. Pretty awesome, right? Alongside her husband John Baker, Julie has created a sanctuary space, bringing Scandinavian and Japanese design under one roof, literally, because their apartment is right above their shop. Offering products with practicality and pleasure in mind, Milk 
aims to create a calming, liberated, and conscious lifestyle, and to bring the spiritual and philosophical mindset and practices from these two regions. Maybe we can start with what would you usually do at this time of the day? Usually start my day with the really boring stuff like emails and、um, invoices. <laughs> All the invoices that come in go onto my spreadsheet. It's <laughs> very fascinating stuff, but I try to get that out of the way. Although it drags and drags and drags as the hours pass, and then lunch comes, and I'm still、yeah. kind of doing that sort of thing. And then the afternoon kind of gets. Other things.、Um, I've been working on Instagram a lot lately,、mm-hmm. and、uh, so then it's school pickup. Yeah, it comes way too quickly. I know. It's like it's three like two, o'clock. Oh right. Yeah, and I have two pickups, so it's like three o'clock and three twenty. So I'm actually there for a、yeah. long time. The day's short. Right, and then the kids come home, and that's when the playtime starts, and then you have to put more attention on them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In this conversation, I chat with Julie about a catalyst in her life. How is it like to be living above the store in the city with two young children and the elements of conscious living? What kind of dreams did you have when you were little? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I was a big dreamer. And you were born in Toronto. Yes, born in Toronto, North Toronto, and、uh, my parents separated. When I was in grade two, so then I moved with my mom to Mississauga. So I'd come to Toronto on the weekends, and、um, and then in the summertime we'd be at the cottage a lot. So so sort of the three places where I spent my time. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and then do you remember what kind of like memories you have? At that time, maybe not as clear, but now looking、yeah. back, it might seem like kind of vivid, and then kind of bring some color to your adulthood. No, I think my current kids give me color、mm. to my adulthood for sure. I think my childhood was、um, kind of lonely, and、um, why was it lonely? Well, I'm an only child. My parents weren't together, so already you're only ever with one other person, and then if that person's generally occupied, then you're on your own. So there's lots of TV watching, and yeah, just not a lot of like not a lot of activity. So it's different. I didn't know even having kids what to expect because my childhood wasn't really like childhood like like the magical childhood. Not that not that anybody or everybody's is, but I mean it had elements of it, of course, like nice things that we did and stuff. But this life with my kids is is just very different.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you always feel wanted to be a mom? Well, was that part of your plan? Yes, yes, it was always an imperative. I can't say why it was. I mean, no, I guess I could. I could say why. I wanted to create that that life that I missed out on,、mm-hmm. and it's okay that I missed out on it. Like this isn't like that's that's not what I mean. Like I actually,、yeah. I am also an only child as well, yeah, and yeah. my parents divorced when I was、uh, two years old. So I yeah, but- actually. That kind of like upbringing really shaped me as an independent person.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes could be good and sometimes could be bad. I think so because it could be too independent,、mm-hmm. and then I have no problem letting go.、Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes. that could be kind of like、yes. dangerous sometimes. Yeah. Now looking back, I always moved a lot as well,、mm-hmm. and then so that detachment with like 
people, mm-hmm. with uh, geos, mm-hmm. with locations, with spaces, with objects, even. Yes. To me, interesting. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't move locations a lot. Like I moved the one time, but I like I moved schools a lot. Like I went to way Same. too many schools. Me too. <laughs> And I got kicked out no, many like of them. Four different high schools, but I didn't get oh, kicked out. Like oh. I just kept moving. It's like if there was like things weren't working out, I was like, I'm out. Right. Like it's so yeah, that same sort of like just um I always it's what's so interesting to me is I always thought that I was really um like really flexible and really like go with the flow. But I realize now, especially with children having children, that that's not actually true. That I was like completely in survival mode all the time. And so it's not really necessarily your true self. It's like you're just doing things because you have to. Right. So I'm kind of just like having to learn who who I am. Like, wh- like what am I all about? Because I was doing things based on circumstances all right. the time. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty much reactionary to mm-hmm. the situation and circumstances. Mm-hmm. And Self-preservation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You say you were not a big dreamer. So when did you start realize you do have some desire in terms of like what you wanted, and then the the thing you wanted in your life start being clear to you? Do you remember at which point in your life? I don't know. John's such a catalyst for me. Like I think I was really just kind of floating before him. I mean, I was always like, "I'll do this. I'll do this." I'll, you know, that kind of scattered, especially in your twenties. I was definitely doing that. And then, you know, we met and we got together. And once we decided to do something together, we just. We're so symbiotic that it just took us on a path and um, and evolved and grew from there. And so, how did you guys meet? At a bar. <laughs> Classical boy meets girl yeah. story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you met, where were you? Uh, In terms of like career、mm-hmm. or in life so, stage, yeah, I like the year before we met, I was I had been working in、um, publishing like at Scholastic, and、uh, so I, I liked children's publishing, and I actually wanted to work in the design department, but then they were like, you need a degree in design.、So、I was like,、oh, get it.、Um, What was your background? Uh, I mean, I had I had a degree in humanities, like just. But、um, they wanted a degree in design. They want, yeah, and I went traveling. I went like for three months by myself to Europe, just backpacking.、Mm-hmm. Then when I came back, I decided to go to the Toronto School of Art to work on a portfolio with the intention of going to OCAD.、Um, but I'm not like really a portfolio. Like I don't just sit around at home making art.、Um, so I don't even really know where I fit in necessarily. I, I was wanting to. Go in for art curation, 
and I was also interested in photography a bit. So I did the portfolio program at Toronto School of Art, which was amazing. Really great program. So um, I finished that and then I got into OCAD for art curation and, uh, and then I was going to minor in photography. So those were kind of the classes that I was taking. But when I got together with John, I just started at OCAD. So getting together with him, I was kind of like, he was kind of younger than me. And I was kind of like, well, I'm like, it's like basically like I'm 20 again because I'm just starting in university. So we'll see how this goes. But he's a bit young, so this probably won't go anywhere. And that's okay because I'm in university. <laughs> Bunch of 19 year olds. And I'm like, I started my second year at OCAD that December, John and I started talking about starting a blog, like an interiors blog. Mm. We were really inspired by it. Design Sponge was really popular at the time. Right, right, like right. I remember that. So yeah, so we, we were like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and then the school year started in January and I was just like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and I dropped out. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I was just, you know what though? I was just kind of like, this isn't quite the right thing for me. Right. Actually, when I left though, I wasn't like, okay, I'm just going to do a blog. I was going to do photography. So mm. um, I did get like a job working in a photo studio for a little bit, but it was not the kind of thing that I do. It was like product photography, like mm. in the studio and lighting and all that stuff. I'm just not really, I'm just not set up for. I just, my brain doesn't work that way. I just shoot exclusively with natural light that's just how i am so so you feel like photography was your interest but wasn't your calling that particular type of photography wasn't necessarily but it was a job and mm -hmm. i was trying to get some experience anyways yeah uh, i didn't actually know that by talking to john downstairs before the photo shoot mm -hmm. um he told me you actually is the one doing all the photos for the magazines mm -hmm. and i didn't know that yeah for the milk books i yeah. do the photography and he does the interviews and writing Mm, that's so cool I didn't know because like I have a few issues oh, nice. I'm just telling him like he should get the yeah. first one because I couldn't get a volume one <laughs> I have one right, right oh you here. do it's like I was looking at it because I was I'm such a section with uh, issue I'll show one it to you after okay that's so cool <laughs> it's just it's just us and then um our friend Emily Emily too she did the book design for us that's so it was just so the beautiful. three of us It's interesting now to see how Julie is bringing all the elements she loves into one, from art curation to photography to publishing. If you ever get your hands on a copy of The Milk magazine, you will probably think, hmm, there must be a bigger team behind this publication. <laughs> there actually isn't, just three of them, shooting exclusively with natural lights. Julie's photos capture the accents of the space, objects, and the artists they work with. The long and winding path I took, we took to get here, mm -hmm. we use in our day-to-day -day business. Yeah. I get, still get to use photography on my terms. And, you know, we get to write. So we get to do those creative things that we enjoy. And we also, I have to do accounting, which keeps me grounded. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So it's kind of it's yeah. neat that way to have, like, a lot of different outlets. The only problem is, is I find that the creative outlet tends to get pushed to the side. I feel like it's like kind of the most important one, but it always gets pushed to the side for the more nitty gritty yeah. stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's still a business. You still have business yeah, to like run. Yeah, I still have bills to pay. Yeah. And you still have like, you know, like John, I mean, I'm not really a salesperson in the sense that like, you know, John, he's such a genuine salesperson. Yeah. Like he's just, 
he's being himself and he's enthusiastic and passionate and he's truthful. So whereas I'm just like, I don't, I don't have the same way of talking with people in that environment. <laughs> so I'm more likely to talk you out of buying something <laughs> than like having the confidence really of like owning it. You know I was just I mean? talking to him. I, I find that interesting because <laughs> out of the most interviews you and John have done, either two of you together and he will be the one talking the most yeah. or he will be the, doing all the interview. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what I is had, that? You know what? Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of being out of practice. I think the more you do it, the more easily it flows. For the bulk of our career, we I was kind of like in baby mode. I was in like, like, yeah, babies, babies and toddlers. And I was not, not even myself. And it was just like so crazy that I just couldn't even, I couldn't even formulate thoughts. I couldn't answer questions. I actually did have a phone interview once. I can't remember with who. Yeah. And I said I would do it. And I totally freaked out. Like I totally, like my, she would ask me questions and I just would blank, blank out. And I actually had to give John the phone and be like, you do it. I cannot do this right now. And so I think it's just, again, like his confidence and his, he's kind of got it down. He's well practiced. And also, you know, a lot of the things to like the, you know, the artists and the designers and all that, he just, he's got a really good memory for details and yeah. all that stuff. Whereas again, I'm just a little bit more. On a holistic side. Yeah, I'm somewhere else. I can have this kind of a conversation, but, you know, when I start talking about those sorts of things, mm-hmm. I I don't know. How did you uh, and John actually develop from the blog to the store? What was the blog's name? Kitka. Oh. Kitka means cat in Ukrainian. <laughs> oh, really? I, I mean, the funny thing about it is that, okay, so Kitka, cat... That's kind of odd, I guess. Um, we had cats. <laughs> I don't know. Cat people. We're both actually part Ukrainian. Both of us are half Ukrainian. Really? Yeah. So it kind of made sense in that way. Right. What's funnier about it, I think, and totally not planned, is that we named our store Milk. 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 is It's milk in Swedish. Yeah. And it's like the cat and the milk. Like the cat drinks the milk. Oh. Like, so then it actually, like, ended up making total sense. <laughs> One day I just was thinking about it and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> all the puzzles coming It's together. all come together. We didn't even know we were doing it. And it just came together on its own. <laughs> Look at that. That's how it is with him and me, though. It's, like, very like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the blog, I mean, it's really funny if you go back to, like, the early days. It's, like, thrifting and Is it still stuff. online? It's still online, yeah. It's still there. It's kind of, we've made it into... Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, archive. Archive. Thank right. you. Yes, archive. Because we couldn't transfer all that information over to our new journal. Mm. So, and at which point? Because from a blog to a store, that's kind of like a big jump. Yeah. I'm, so, at which point you two were just talking John, or something? I was like, let's do it. Yeah, he was all. He had been like for a year, kind of thinking about a store, and I was like, oh, do a business plan and. And he even contacted like front design, talking to them. And like, he's very bold like that. He'll just do. I think like literally we started the blog in December or January, like the very beginning of January in 2009. And by December we had a store. So oh, wow, that was quick. it always feels like we had the blog for way longer, but we yeah. didn't. And 
So we had the blog going and we wanted a sofa, the Borg Mowinson sofa. <laughs> I cannot say it, but anyways, it's very definitely not Borg Mowinson, but it wasn't available in Toronto and we ended up getting it at an auction. And then we had to deal with the logistics and it was really complicated and dealing with that stuff on your own as well. It's like expensive mm-hmm. and you know logistics companies they only deliver it to the airport and then you got to figure out how to get it from really the, like it's not like i mean unless you have somebody organizing it for okay. you but like if you're just like if you order mm. something from an auction house you're responsible for mm. getting it to you so it was really complicated and i think we were kind of just like you know toronto doesn't have what we want and so we decided to go on a trip we went on like a three-week trip through scandinavia and then when we came back, we started looking for a building. I had a house, so the purpose was to sell the house and buy a building and live above. It was really funny because we were like, well, who do we want to work on this building for us? And we were like, oh, like this architect from Studio Junction, they have a really cool house, the Courtyard House. We saw it in Design Lines magazine. Let's call them. Like, we're just so naive. We're just like, we called them and we were like, can you come look at buildings with us and tell us if this building's a good building, Mm -hmm. like has good bones? And so they came and... I don't know what they made of us because we looked really young and in many ways we were young, but they went along for the ride. And this was, I think the third place we looked at. The building was great. It was, it had good bones and we could move into the apartment above right away. And even the store, technically you could just like move into it, but we still, we got them to obviously Mm -hmm. get to look like that. So, but it was still like, you know, you, you, it had a good foundation. Yeah, and it was the recession. The building had been sitting for a while, so we got it for a good price. And um, yeah. Wow, that was good timing. We got then. it like November 1st, I think, in 2009. And then we had Stu Junction get to work on it, and they had basically a month and a half. Because we were like, what? well, we don't want to open in January. Yeah. Like, we like need the- to like get in before Christmas. So the best they could do was December 15th. Yeah. And it was like, even then the back half of the store was blocked off. Like it wasn't finished. They just managed to scramble the front half together and we were able to open. you had all the inventory ready? Yeah, we had inventory. So we opened December 15th. Oh my God. And, uh, and it was good because we actually did pretty good. Yeah. Coming out of nowhere. It was a good time to open because it's like people are looking for Christmas gifts and you're new. Brand new and fresh in the neighborhood brought great advantages to milk. That holiday, the store did really well in sales. But was Toronto ready for an upscale, handcrafted Scandinavian furniture and design shop? Mind you though, that was 10 years ago, when magazines like King Folk and Serial didn't even exist. Do you think Toronto was ready at that point? Or were you kind of like... I don't think about things like that. No? No. Wow. No. Which is like, in a way, is really bold, but also <laughs> now looking back, it worked out. I mean, is Toronto ever ready for anything? I mean, it takes like anything from Europe, it takes years before Toronto's ready for it. Right. So, I mean, Toronto's had like a love affair with Scandinavia before, like in the 70s. Yeah. There was like Corellia, there was, there was shops, there was, uh, or at least there was one shop. <laughs> and it was popular. I mean, I know my mom talked about Dansk mm-hmm. and being available maybe at like the 
Eaton's or something. So, I mean, it's not like it's super unfamiliar. That's partly why we chose this building even was because we knew people would travel to us because it's so specific. And if Mm -hmm. that's something that you like, you're just going to make it happen, right? Right. To go visit. So, I don't know. We don't think too much. We just do. Mm. We just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's really something I I think I need to learn from. It's like I calculate a lot. I'm an uh, indecisive person, so I back and forth a lot. So this is the funny thing. I can be like that. I had been like that all along, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to research. Yeah. What did, I read something recently. Maybe it was even on your site. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody said it was something along the lines of like research is like basically inactivity. Mm. but we like we're in this like thing i don't know if it's like our generation got caught up in this idea where Mm -hmm. and maybe it's just also this like there's information so much information out there so you become like this information gatherer and you're just like well i'm gonna gather all this information i'm gonna i'm gonna gather all the tools i need and then i'm gonna do it except that you never do it Mm -hmm. you just do that first part and i got stuck in that loop forever Um, so I don't want to make it seem like this is a part of my personality. This is a factor of John and me being together. Mm. And this wouldn't have happened with just anyone. It may seem like Julia and John just jumped in without any hesitation. But the truth is, their blog, KitKat, was actually a validation and indicator that there was a need and desire from the market. The blog actually, to begin with, I mean, mm-hmm. we had lots of readers. It's not like it was like we had like 100 people. We, we had tens of thousands of people checking mm-hmm. in all mm-hmm. the time. So you already kind of had like a base of people who were like, oh, oh, they mm-hmm. opened a store. Okay, we're going to come. I mean, when we opened, we were definitely a bit of a different store. We were very like just all the greatest hits of Scandinavian design. And then we had one Japanese designer, Oji Masanori, who John had seen somehow and had acquired some of his pieces. And then when we were looking at the other things we had, we started noticing that there were some Japanese designers designing for Scandinavian brands. Mm. I don't know. It just kind of happened really naturally. And John got really into Japanese craft. And and I think the opportunity to have exhibitions and things like that, the natural materials and all those things that just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, spark joy. (laughs) The words of Mary Kondo. (laughs) I feel like a lot of things, objects and then the pieces in the store and even your home, it's kind of integrate these two elements. One is... Um, practicality and one is uh, pleasure as the joy part mm-hmm. um, would you say that's part of the reason you pick or who could ever do the buying and the merchandising mm. at home and in store I mean everything that's in the store is just things that we like and that mm-hmm. we wanted for ourselves we've had moments where we were like what do people want and then anytime you try to give people what they want they don't want it mm. they really don't so we were just like We've learned our lesson. We're just going to give people what we want. I mean, it's hard because people aren't used to that. They're they're not used to using beautiful things. They're afraid of it breaking or, mm-hmm. you know, wearing. Um, but that's all part of it. And it's it's not super great breaking things. 
But in your day-to-day life, are you really breaking that many things? Like, I mean, yes, things get broken and that's disappointing, but I find that we maneuver a little more carefully in our home, not in a walking on eggshells kind of way, just it just is. Mm-hmm. Like Japanese people are very deliberate in their actions and their movements. Right. And I think that we can all do a little more in that department, being more deliberate with our movements. One thing that was really funny when our kids started at public school, because they'd gone to a Montessori school before, and in the Montessori school, one of the on the first day, one of the things they learned is how to move yeah. a chair without mm. making noise. And then we went and had a tour of the public school, and Howell was just like, "Why do they? Why are there tennis balls on the bottom of all the chairs?" And they were like, "Because the chair chairs make a lot of noise." And we were all John and I were just like, "Ah, uh, ah, uh, like." That was an opportunity to teach kids and you didn't like again about moving deliberately and i find that so like in our home like move deliberately we do things in a certain way do you feel like sometimes um and probably you get asked this questions a lot because it is like the byproduct of like the whole living upstairs and then have the store up front how do you kind of like balance this like life and work Because I think a lot of like freelancers, creative people, even photographers, they would have yeah. a studio yeah. and then they actually live in a studio. Before I had a business myself, I worked from home a lot. Mm-hmm. I could not get things done. Mm-hmm. I had to go to a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I have to go to somewhere else, maybe a co-working space to actually mm-hmm. to get things done. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of the struggles or benefits you're experiencing? Hmm. I think during the week, it's great. Um, because we go down to the store, mm-hmm. so there is a bit of a separation because you go to a different space. I think the hardest time is the weekends, and as a result, actually, we've closed on Sundays just because we need that like breathing space and not to have to worry who's going to be working. And mm. you know, the weekend is hard. I find on Saturday just because we're open, we're really busy, but we're also trying to have family time. So we got a farmhouse <laughs> so that we could just go oh, away yeah, that's right <laughs> just get away that's so that's one way we deal with it is just to go because you kind mm-hmm. of have to remove yourself because the energy is so strong when it's really busy down there that like you can kind of sense it upstairs how are your kids like handling all these like beautiful design objects because sometimes they're very you know <laughs> delicate and then they need yeah. some special care and if for children i don't have any mm. at, at this point but i assume they might not um be ready to appreciate those things yet for the most part they're okay things break <laughs> but like i saw some of my not- japanese bold pieces there was it broken or no, it, that was a design those were those were just found pieces oh. um, that we got in japan but we all break stuff we all do i broke something recently Howell hilariously broke um, one of these little like square dishes. Oh, really? We got it repaired with gold. And then I shouldn't have given it to him again, but I gave it to him again. And he does this thing where he like fiddles with it. Yeah. And it fell on the ground and it broke again. Oh but it broke completely the other way. <laughs> and John was just like, it's over. It's, it's over with that one. <laughs> How but, old like, is he? He's four and a half. Oh, So, I mean, things happen, but like, yeah, for the most part, they kind of ignore everything and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're getting bigger, so maybe it's like a little bit more threat of things like getting knocked over, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Do they understand what you guys are doing? Definitely like living about the store is a bit mm-hmm. of a interesting concept for them. And they kind of, every time we go in there, I'm like, okay, quietly, respectfully, no running. And then they come through the door and they're like... 
yelling and running like every single time. I don't understand why why you don't hear me when I say this because there's always customers, right? And it's like totally changes the vibe, and not everybody likes the vibe changed. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that's kind of funny. They just really can't handle themselves in there, right? And they love coming to exhibitions. Um, Howell, he was really cute. He came to his first one because he's getting a bit older. So I was like, fine, he can stay up. And he manned the La Croix station. <laughs> he was like really pestering people for drinks because he just kept wanting to pour people drinks. I saw him at one point, I was watching him and he had um, a toothpick. And he was like looking, he was inspecting it, like in between his fingers, he was looking at it. And then he placed it in the display next to the cash. Then he went around and he went into this like cupboard I don't even know how he knew they were there, but he grabbed like a tag that wasn't being used and he brought the tag out and he placed it in front of the, in front of oh. the toothpick. He was like merchandising. <laughs> it was really funny. I was like, really wanted to get that on video because it was just too much. He was just like in his own little zone doing this thing. So. That's so cool. Yeah. So what would you say is a good design then? Hmm. I mean, good design again for us. It's just, again, back to the fundamentals. It's like pleasing to look at and pleasing to touch that it is something that will, I mean, not everything evolves over time. Some things do maintain their their look and that's, that's how it's meant to be. But if it's something that's in a material like wood or whatever, you know, that it's like, that it can evolve over time is nice. Um, like brass, like a lot of people, when they're buying brass, they just like are really, really wanting it to look perfect all the time. But that's not really what brass is necessarily all about. Like mm-hmm. it's about showing use and time and and stuff. I, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Big fan of natural materials. Yeah. Yeah. And then can you talk about briefly... Um, your relationship or your concept with space because we see there's a very open concept here and Mm -hmm. then there's a big courtyard in the middle of this big room (laughs) yeah so i think sometimes space because as we human beings existing in Mm -hmm. we don't really think about it a lot until we have to Mm -hmm. so what is your take on or kind of share your relationship with space Hmm. space uh well there's lots of aspects of it. Lighting is important in space. Uh, well, we like we definitely like more open space, but then in our bedrooms, it's more intimate. You know, your use of the space is important. Like your bedroom, you want it to be more intimate feeling, maybe. Or, but another thing, like when we were doing our houses, we were like we didn't want too much storage, closed storage, because closed storage is just places where you put things that you never use. And uh, we got the farmhouse because we needed space and we needed quiet and we needed grounding Mm. so having a space that's grounding is good yeah so my last question before getting to rapid fire is that (laughs) i need to come closer getting farther and farther from me (laughs) okay this is it the rapid fire chat with julie and her recommendations will be exclusively sent out to you through our secret supply newsletter on february 28th make sure you sign up to our newsletter on dearsecrets.com if you have been our listener you probably know i usually would say happy seeking at the end of each episode 
But after some reflecting, I like to have a different approach, since we all know happy is such a temporary state of mind. So this is what I'm gonna say. See you in two weeks in our secret supply newsletter. Until then, keep seeking. Thank、you